Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is September the 30th, 2022, last day of September. Boy, oh boy, summer behind us, fall ahead of us, um, and one hell of a storm hammering uh, the southeast of the United States. Um, Wherever you are, I hope you're safe. Um, I hope that the folks in Florida and the others in the path of this horrendous Hurricane Ian um, come out okay. Storm is headed north. It's heading this way, of course, here in New York. Uh, We're going to dodge the bullet. We're expecting heavy rain, that sort of thing, but nothing like what we've seen to our south. And it's a reminder, I think, really, of the frailty of our species. For all of the bluff and bluster of those people who um, think they are large and in charge, well, there's a Yiddish expression that translated that man makes plans and God laughs. Large egos need not apply. We, we really need to have a sense of proportion to who we are, what we're truly capable of, and what really matters. Uh, Carl Sagan, the brilliant astrophysicist, and I had the privilege of admitting him into the United States back in the 70s when I was an immigration inspector uh, at Kennedy Airport, wrote a book about the pale blue dot, looking at the Earth from the distance of Saturn, that all that showed up uh, in the lens or in in the uh, photograph sent back by the Voyager spacecraft that he was an integral part of planning for. Um, And he said, you know, look at that pale blue dot. Everybody that we've ever heard of, the heroes, the cowards, the leaders, and so forth, everyone lived their lives in that tiny dot and then he went on and basically said think of all the people who've died how much blood has been spilled so some tyrants could control a tiny fraction of that tiny dot but for a moment in time then he went on and said that the study of astronomy was character building because the study of astronomy teaches us our true place in the universe we basically are microorganisms that inhabit a moat of dust suspended in the infinity of space. And when I look at the politicians, the so-called leaders, um, it really leaves me shaking my head. It's startling to me. The Pelosi's and the Schumer's and all these other characters, both parties, I don't care if you're with the Hopping Kangaroo Party. Our government was supposed to be, as Abraham Lincoln so eloquently stated, Our government, the government of the United States, was supposed to create a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And it seems as though the only people that they're concerned about are the people with money who bribe the current crop of politicians. I I can't forget Nancy Pelosi railing about Donald Trump and railing about immigration law enforcement and screaming at the top of her lungs, if you will, when she went to Mexico shortly after 9-11, that immigration agents were perpetrating terrorism on the immigrant community. And she made that statement from Mexico City. Amazing. The country that arguably sends us the greatest number of illegal aliens across our southern border. 
has left that border in a state of shambles, but it's far more than the southern border. We're going to get into that in a little bit. If that's all we're hearing about is the southern border, and it's only one element of a multifaceted system. But it was a how dare you moment. You know, I enforced the immigration laws for 30 years, and I was proud to do so. Those immigration laws are our first and last line of defense to protect national security, public safety, public health, and the jobs and wages of Americans. Now, there was Pelosi castigating immigration agents shortly after 9-11 and then went on to say that when Trump enforced the immigration laws, he created a climate of fear, a climate of fear for the immigrants, went on and criticized Trump for having criminal aliens arrested and deported, including MS-13, whom she said were God's children, God's children, climate of fear. Look at where we are today, 100,000 fentanyl deaths every year because of open borders. And again, it's not just the Mexican border. Those drugs are pouring into the United States through international airports, through seaports, coming across the Canadian border. So the new game, which is really the old game, make the Mexican border the whole issue. And then you have politicians, both parties, saying, well, once we secure the Mexican border, then we can provide lawfuls to unknown millions of illegal aliens who snuck into the country. Insanity. It's not anti-immigrant to say, no, you don't. Aliens are supposed to come through ports of entry. Cargo people are supposed to come through ports of entry so we can screen them, make sure we know who we're letting in, not let in criminals, not let in terrorists, not let in aliens with dangerous diseases, and not let in workers who would replace Americans and destroy the wages for American workers. And what's so remarkable is Bernie Sanders back around 2006, I believe it was, stood shoulder to shoulder with the AFL-CIO and said that anybody who knowingly hires illegal aliens should be prosecuted because they're destroying jobs and wages for American middle-class workers. Where has Bernie gone? Where have the politicians gone? Who is extorting them to do what they're doing, bribing them? What's the motivation? What's the motivation? The war on terror is not over. Try to get on an airplane. Although the Biden administration seems to think that terrorism emanates from white extremists white extremists to the, you know, are you crazy? The FBI investigating the parents of children when the parents complained about the curriculum being taught to their own children. Part of what's lacking in America today, I believe, and I'm not an expert on the subject, but I don't think you need to be. I think part of the problem we have are children coming from broken homes, coming from dysfunctional families, coming from families where they're abused and face violence and don't have that wholesome, uh, loving environment to grow up in. And it seems as though this administration and and the radical lunatics of the left are hell-bent on taking the family out of the equation altogether. This is insane. It is anti-American. I don't care what your politics are. Parents are supposed to raise their children. We should be encouraging parental involvement in the education of their own children. I was the Parents Association president of my daughter's public school. I was thrilled when I saw lots of parents showing up for the PTA meetings because, 
this is at the core of how children are supposed to grow up and get those values that last them a lifetime. You know, I, I lost my parents when I was in college within a year of each other to cancer. I still stand on their shoulders, and I'm in my mid-70s. They were the most impactful people and continue to be the most impactful people in my life, my mom and dad. So today you have broken families. You have children living in chaos. You have drugs pouring across the border. The lunatics on the left wanting to turn everybody loose from jail, releasing people who suffer mental illness onto the streets. And so for all the talk and all the railing about Nancy Pelosi, about a climate of fear, we, the people, are suffering from a climate of fear from a number of perspectives, beginning with crime, beginning with drugs. And the solution for the Democrats, and I'm not trying to be political here, but you just can't help but see it, is to hire an army of internal revenue agents to go after American citizens. More fear. Brought to you by our government, supposedly our government, supposedly. Uh, a number of years ago, I was on with Neil Cavuto. I'll never forget the conversation. It was kind of funny. Uh, I was working on a major article. I believe it was about 40 or 50 pages, so I slept till 8 o'clock in the morning. You know, when you have the, the, the thought process running straight through like an express train, you know, you don't want to stop. You don't want to lose that, that, that inspiration. And, and so I finally went to sleep at about 8 o'clock in the morning, and 2 o'clock I got a call from Neil's producers, and they said, Mike, can you come down to the studio? We can't send you a car, but if you can get in here by 4 o'clock, we'll put you on camera. So I quickly jumped into the shower, jumped into my car, raced to the studio. One of their producers sat in my car while I, I, I ran into the studio to do an interview with Neil Cavuto on his program. Didn't have any time to even think about what I might be saying on the air. Usually you sit in the back of a car, Someone else is driving. It gives you time to think things through. Well, I didn't have that luxury that day. And Neil caught me off guard. He asked me a question that I wasn't prepared for. He said to me, Mike, when will you feel that our immigration laws are being adequately enforced? Now, the funniest thing was what just popped into my head, perhaps it was divine inspiration, was to say, Neil, I'll be satisfied when an alien in the United States is as concerned about correspondence from the Department of Homeland Security as you or I would be concerned if we received correspondence from the Internal Revenue Service. And Neil went wild. He said, wow, that's profound. That's brilliant that he went on and on. It was kind of interesting. But I think I was on to something without even giving it much thought. It was kind of a reflexive statement. Americans are intimidated by the IRS. Nancy Pelosi doesn't rail about the climate of fear the Internal Revenue Service creates, does she? Even with all of her stock wheelings and dealings and, and all kinds of crazy stuff, because she believes she's above the law. She reminds me uh, of those folks who say, well, the little people pay taxes, right? <laughs> the citizens, the peons, they've got to worry, not me. Not me. I'm Nancy Pelosi, large and in charge. It, it's incredible. And so the climate of fear between the criminals, between the drugs, um, the threat of terrorism that hangs over our head. Look at what's going on in the world. Russia right now is threatening nuclear confrontation over the Ukraine. Russia has annexed, supposedly, four regions of the Ukraine, pushing us into a conflict with them. And if you don't think that Russia has sleeper agents pre 
position in the United States, you're crazy. You're crazy. We know that Iran has been sending sleeper agents to the United States. Look at what China has been doing. These are all immigration stories. They're not covered as immigration stories, are they? China has built up its military largely on the back of America. We educated their students by the hundreds of thousands. We gave them the intellectual capacity to build their military, and then we had companies hire their students uh, under practical training once they were in the United States so they could commit espionage so frequently that the intelligence services have a name for Chinese espionage. They call it Chinese takeout because it's an everyday, uh, probably every minute occurrence. We've educated and trained their computer programmers who hack our computers every second of every hour of every day. These are self-inflicted wounds. And yet, all that the politicians want us to focus on, all that they want us to focus on, is the southern border. Look at that disaster on the southern border. And you know what? The southern border, folks, is a huge disaster. Make no mistake about it. The southern border is a catastrophe. But if you think that's the only thing that's wrong uh, with the immigration system, you're crazy. We have no interior enforcement. I would love to see a hearing where the administration has to talk about how many people are denied visas who seek to enter the United States every year. What is the visa refusal rate and from which countries? I'd love to know how many people are denied entry at ports of entry because the CBP, Customs and Border Protection Inspectors at ports of entry, determine that the aliens seeking entry are inadmissible for one reason or another. And these reasons, by the way, have nothing to do with race, religion, or ethnicity. This has been garbage. These are the lies being peddled by the globalists, the Pelosi's of the world, um, and, and, and the radical lunatics on the left. If you go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, it enumerates the categories of aliens who are to be excluded. It's aliens with dangerous communicable diseases or severe mental illness, aliens who are criminals, terrorists, spies, human rights violators, war criminals, fugitives from justice. The list goes on. All about protecting national security, public safety, public health, and the jobs and wages of Americans. So I'd love to know what Biden policies have done in terms of the admission of aliens into the United States, because I assure you that under this administration, Precious few aliens are being denied visas or being denied entry into our country because if you look at the articles that I've written about Alejandro Mayorkas, the head of Homeland Security, he was the head of Citizenship and Immigration Services back under the Obama administration, and then he went on to become, I believe it was the number two at Homeland Security. Now, what's really interesting is I am sure you've heard nothing or very little about Citizenship and Immigration Services. It's a division of the Department of Homeland Security, but you've never really heard much about it. Probably because if you're looking at television programs, if you're watching the videos, there's really nothing exciting to see. I spent a year as an adjudications officer. So when I speak about these issues, it's not because I have a hunch or somebody told me something during a conversation. I was there. I was an inspector at Kennedy Airport for four years. As, as I put it, when I helped Arizona when they were sued, over SB 1070, the time that I spent those four years in that inspector's booth uh, at Kennedy Airport was the time that I had my eye to the peephole on America's front door, because that's the equivalent, being careful as to who you let in. 
as an adjudicator. I did the marriage interviews you've seen on TV. But what are they going to show you? An adjudicator sitting at a desk with an approval stamp and a computer screen going cha-chung, 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 approved, approved, approved? Because today, um, most of what the adjudicators do doesn't even involve interviews. They don't have the capacity. They are processing millions of applications each and every year, millions of applications. There's no capacity to do the interviews, forget about field investigations. And then Mayorkas comes out and has recently stated that when aliens lie on applications for U.S. citizenship, they will take no action. These are American citizens. We protect Americans. But if you got citizenship by concealing a material fact, then you shouldn't have been made a citizen. Think back to the Nazi war criminals, folks. The Nazi war criminals concealed their involvement with the Third Reich. Eventually, a number of them were located. They were deported. Uh, I helped with a couple of those cases, which gave me great pleasure because my family, frankly, was decimated during the Holocaust. I was named for my mother's mother, who was killed in Poland during the war because we're Jewish. Uh, by the way, speaking of being Jewish, for those uh, who are of the Jewish faith, I, I hope that you have a very happy, healthy, and peaceful New Year. But no matter how you measure your year, I wish all of you the very same. These are universal desires that we all have as human beings, to live in peace, to be healthy, to be able to take care of our children. That's what it's about. That's why I do what I do, having lived through the terror attacks of 9-11. And you would think there had never been a 9-11 commission when you look at the decisions being made by the Biden administration. But to be blunt about it, Donald Trump was the only president since 9-11 who really gave much thought to the idea about protecting America and Americans. The way that George W. Bush created the Department of Homeland Security violated the Homeland Security Act. And it was the Republicans, to their credit, who frequently called upon me to testify to offer a counterpoint to George W. Bush's policies and statements, believe it or not. People like John Hosteller and Jim Stensenbrenner, Lamar Smith, they had the courage and the moral spine to stand up to the president and they themselves were Republicans. And they said what the president is doing is dangerous. Believe it or not, Sheila Jackson Lee at one particular hearing complained bitterly. I was a witness at the hearing. I was sitting right there. And she said, you know, we've given the president enough money to hire 800 new immigration agents this year for each of the next four years. Enough money to hire 2,000 Border Patrol agents this year and for the next four years. Enough money to buy 8,000 detention beds, I believe was the number. And she said, and look what the president has done. Instead of 800 new immigration agents, he cut that to 143. Instead of 2,000 Border Patrol agents, he cut that to 210. Instead of 8,000 detention beds, he cut that to, I believe the number was 1,700. And she said, why in the world would he be doing this? This is dangerous. And that was Sheila Jackson Lee. I testified for Sheila at two hearings. You can look it up. The first time I testified for her, was a hearing that is on the perm or in the permanent library for um, um, C-SPAN. That was how two of the dead terrorists, Mohammed Atta and Marwan al-Shehi, could have been granted authorization to attend flight school six months after the attack. So by then, the whole world knew they were terrorists and they were dead. That's how incompetent we were. And if you listen to the testimony, watch the testimony on the video of the members of Congress, they were indignant, pounding the podium. How could we be this screwed up? We need to know who's in the country. We have no clue who's in the country. 
We have no clue. And all that the politicians and all that the mainstream media want to talk about, if they're willing to talk about it, is the crisis on the southern border. And make no mistake, don't misunderstand me for a heartbeat, it's a crisis. But then you have people like Ted Cruz and other Republicans saying, if we get power, we're not going to hire 87,000 IRS agents, we're going to hire 87,000 Border Patrol agents. This is one of the craziest things I've ever heard. Now, don't get me wrong again. I'm a fan of the Border Patrol. I went to Border Patrol Academy when I hired on because back in the 70s, that's where every immigration employee went for training. They went to the Border Patrol Academy in Los Fresnos, Texas, right out in Brownsville. Okay? Not a word about interior enforcement. Not a single word about the need for interior enforcement. We have about 6,000 ICE agents. And ICE, because of the way Bush created Homeland Security, they were never supposed to cut ICE and CBP apart. They were never supposed to fold in other agencies. This was done by George W. Bush to screw up and neuter immigration law enforcement. And John Hostetler, the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, put it succinctly when he said that the administration, meaning the Bush administration, had given Americans immigration incoherence and made it impossible to secure the borders enforce the laws, and thereby protect the American people. Think about the enormity of that statement coming from the Republican chairman of the House Immigration Subcommittee. What are we doing? The reason they don't want interior enforcement, those that are opposed to it, is because immigration agents don't only arrest illegal aliens. We are supposed to go after crooked lawyers and crooked employers. Do you think that that's what the politicians want, that they want immigration agents going after their bedfellows, both parties. Bob Goodlatte, the former chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, which in its portfolio includes immigration, among others, FBI, DEA, U.S. Marshal Service, the courts, and so forth, but immigration prominence pushed for H-1B visas. Well, I had a major argument with Bob Goodlatte, and Bob was the Republican chairman, right? Turns out Bob Goodlatte is an immigration lawyer who specialized in H-1B visas. Now, when I pressed him about it during a private conversation, he said, listen, my son would love to bring in thousands of brilliant Indian programmers because I complained about how Alan Greenspan had testified for Schumer back in, in, the, uh, in 2009 and said that, you know, the solution to wage inequality is to make American high-tech workers, people with advanced degrees, compete with foreign workers to drive down their wages so we greatly reduce inequality in wages between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills. Think about that. Let's destroy the middle class so the working poor will have nobody to be envious of. The whole system is rigged, as Donald Trump pointed out. And even he, I don't think, understood the enormity of the problem or the real need to go after so many of the issues, but he did go after immigration fraud. He established an office to pull up all of the citizenship applications and make certain that nobody committed fraud in citizenship. Why? Because this was a key tactic for entry and embedding by the terrorists. Think about that. It's not just the aliens running the border. And now that they're here, you need agents to go look for them because they're not going to be showing up for their hearings. But all we're hearing about is let's hire the Border Patrol. The Border Patrol mission ends at the border. Their job is interdiction. Immigration agents, on the other hand, are supposed to contribute people to the various task forces. I spent 10 years with the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. 
They have agents assigned to the Joint Terrorism Task Force, the Violent Gang Task Force. They're supposed to go after criminal aliens. They're supposed to go after the fraud mills, the people that are engaged in conspiracies to commit fraud. Again, we understand that fraud is a national security issue. We don't have enough agents to deal with any of it by design. These are immigration failures by design. People say, well, the immigration system is broken. I say, no, it's not broken. It's become a delivery system. And it delivers an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor and an unlimited supply of foreign tourists and foreign students and to the immigration lawyers an unlimited supply of clients. And on top of that, an unlimited supply of clients to the NGOs, the non-government organizations that are euphemistically referred to as nonprofits. And if you believe they're nonprofits, boy, oh, boy. I've got a bridge to sell you. I did an article about how um, an individual who worked for the Biden administration on the transition team left, went to work for an NGO, and shortly thereafter, according to the Office of Inspector General, that NGO got a no-competition, no-bid contract to house the illegal aliens to the tune of more than $500 million. I mean, you think about that. In fact, that outfit was paid uh, 17 million for beds that were never used. These aren't accidental. Follow the money. Look at the profits being made by the people that are supposed to be protecting us, defending the Constitution, and defending our, our safety. If our government can't protect us, then it serves no purpose. The, re- the first mission of the government should be public safety and national security. That's why we're supposedly spending so much money on national security. But I want you to understand that immigration law enforcement is a follow-on to the mission of the military, although most people don't realize it. The common shared mission of the armed forces of the United States is to keep the enemies of America as far from our shores as possible. I don't think anybody could argue. I've made that point when I've addressed military leaders from the U.S. military, uh, and, and everyone's agreed with me. Yes, that is the primary mission. If you had to distill it down to 10 words or less, the mission is to keep the enemies of America as far from our shores as possible. I don't care which branch of the military. Up close and in person, guess who gets the mission? It falls to the Border Patrol, and then it falls to ICE. So, really, we're talking about an element of national security, and that was why Trump eventually, when he couldn't get the Republicans, the Republicans to fund the border wall, he finally went to the courts and said, you know, we're going to take the money out of the military budget. And the courts agreed. Because this is a matter that runs parallel to the mission of the military to protect America. Understand the significance of our borders, and it's not just the Mexican border. I wrote an article. Um, it, it just blows my mind. Let me, let me pull this up on, on the screen here. Bear with me for one second, folks. I wrote an article for Front Page Magazine, and I do my, my writing for them. Uh, when my program is over, please go to Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com. Check out my articles. And while you're there, you should check out the articles of some of the other really great authors. I'm very proud to have been affiliated with Front Page since, I guess it was 2014. Wow, uh, eight years just about. Time flies. Um, but the article that I wrote was entitled Providing Former Taliban Associates with Visas and Asylum. And I was very much, and I am very much concerned about who we are letting into the country. It's not just the illegal aliens. You know, I do speaking engagements all over the country, and very often people introduce me as an expert on illegal immigration. No, 
I, and I don't even like the word expert because really, uh, who's truly an expert, right? Uh, I don't have all the answers. My parents warned me that if you ever encounter somebody who says that they have all the answers, run for your life. But I have been at it for a long time. So I've been accused of being an expert. I can live with it. But it's not just illegal immigration. It's immigration, period. Because most of the terrorists who have attacked us or attempted to attack us entered through ports of entry. Let that sink in. Now, that's not to say that they're not coming across the Mexican border or the Canadian border or stowing away on ships. I'm sure they are, especially with the policies of the Biden administration. So I wrote this article, and I, and I included something, because the Los Angeles Times on June 14th of this year said this, some Afghan refugees now have a chance to avoid terrorism designation that blocked path to the United States. That was the headline. That here is how their article started. Doctors, teachers, engineers, and other Afghans who were forced to associate with the Taliban will now have a chance at asylum or visas after the Biden administration loosened the terrorism-related designation on Tuesday, according to government officials and documents reviewed by the Los Angeles Times. The exemption will be applied on a case-by-case basis after security vetting and is expected to help Afghans who fled the country after U.S. troops withdrew and the Taliban took control over, uh, took, took over last August, as well as some Afghans who entered the United States earlier, said officials from the Department of Homeland Security. So that's supposed to make us feel better because these people are doctors and teachers and engineers. Osama bin Laden was an engineer. I don't know if you're old enough to remember an organization called the PFLP, the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine. There was a terrorist organization very similar in structure and nature to the PLO, Palestine Liberation Organization, that carried out deadly terrorist attacks around the world that included hijacking airplanes and killing people. George Habash was the founder of the PFLP. George Abbas, by the way, was a pediatrician. So my blood runs cold when I see this assurance that, oh, these people are teachers, doctors, and engineers. No, these people have the education and the skills to create weapons of mass destruction. And in fact, Dianne Feinstein, back in 1998, two days short of the fifth anniversary of the bombing of the World Trade Center in 93, let's remember that bombing, killed six, injured over 1,000, inflicted a half billion in damages, almost brought the tower down sideways, had that occurred, God only knows what the death count would have been, maybe in the hundreds of thousands, okay? So, Diane Feinstein, uh, on the, at this hearing, it was February the 24th, 1998, said that maybe we should not be giving visas to aliens who come from countries that sponsor terrorism. That was before so many of these terrorists and, and, and their sympathizers moved from the Middle East to European countries, so now they can come in under the visa waiver program. And and she talked about that, too. She said maybe we should end the visa waiver program. But then she said we certainly should not be giving training and science to people who come from the countries that sponsor terrorism. And she cited many examples of terrorists who were trained either in the United States or England, learning how to be chemists and engineers and then carrying out deadly terrorist attacks, having been trained so they could make weapons of mass destruction. 
This is Diane Feinstein. Nobody fainted, nobody rioted, and this is before 9-11. And then Donald Trump comes in and says, you know, we ought to be looking at the visas and all this other businesses, and, and, and there were riots, and there were riots. What changed? What changed? So I voiced my concerns, and, and I hope that you'll all go to front page and check out that article that I wrote. So let, let's go from that to something I discussed a couple of weeks ago. By the way, I'm sorry I was unable to do the show last week. Uh, if I tell you why I couldn't do the show, you're going to shake your head. Um, I was driving my wife to work, and apparently I ran over a hypodermic syringe in New York. This is how crazy we've gotten. And the syringe punctured the tire because it's a hollow tube. It let all the air out of the tire. And I spent the day uh, getting a new tire. My, my car dealer was really excellent. I, I leased from them. They, they provided me with a new tire for free. But by the time I got done with the whole process, I came home, excuse me, just about showtime, and I decided with all the chaos that I would cancel my program. But is that not emblematic of where we are today, driving over a hypodermic syringe? Uh, my gosh, you take your dog for a walk, you have to worry. You have to worry. And, in fact, I think I may have mentioned it on my program two weeks ago. Our dog ate something she shouldn't have eaten. Dogs do that occasionally. They can drive us crazy, like errant children sometimes, and we're crazy about our Labradoodle. She's a mini Labradoodle, and I just love dogs. I'd rather spend the day with dogs than most people. Uh, my favorite bumper sticker, in point of fact, says the more people I meet, the more I love my dog. So while my wife was in the waiting room at the Animal Medical Center, which is probably one of the best places uh, for animals in the country, certainly in New York City, uh, they brought in a, um, a service dog that works in the Department of Corrections, a two-year-old dog that in searching the prisoners apparently ingested fentanyl or some other drug and was on death's doorstep with a super rapid heartbeat. I hope the dog survived. I don't know if they were able to save the dog. I hope they were. But this is where we are. You bump into someone, you might wind up touching fentanyl. And so much fentanyl is poured into this country, much of it from China, that it could kill our entire population, and we're taking no action against it. I've never seen a good commercial or any commercial warning about fentanyl. And these aren't overdoses. Let's be clear. Most are not overdoses because the fentanyl is coming in disguised as normal pharmaceuticals or candy. If that doesn't constitute chemical warfare against our population, I want someone to explain chemical warfare. And yet we take no action. Why are there no commercials? Too much money perhaps being made? Politicians being extorted? You look at Congressman Swalwell. I call him Swallowwell, the, the guy who admitted to having a sexual relationship with a woman linked to Chinese intelligence, and he still sits in the House of Representatives, and he still has his committee assignments. I can tell you that as an agent, if it came to the attention of my superiors that I had a sexual relationship with a spy, not only would I have been fired, I probably would have wound up in jail. This is insanity. These are not minor issues. People are dying on a daily basis. And our politicians apparently could care less. So much for Nancy's concern about a climate of fear in citizens and their children. Now, 
to happen to illegal aliens, maybe Nancy would would, would go nuts. Maybe she'd get so crazy she'd she'd run to her freezer and eat all that designer ice cream and suffer brain freeze, but I think she's already suffering brain freeze. This is insanity. I don't even know where to begin. I don't know how to explain this in any rational terms. So I voiced my concerns about how Afghans who allege were forced into a relationship with the Taliban, the same thing we heard from the Nazis, oh, I was just following orders, the Nuremberg defense didn't go so well for them. But that's okay. We're vetting them. Don't worry about it. We're careful. We're making sure that we're not letting in people who might want to kill us. Oops. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about an Office of Inspector General report. This is the equivalent of internal affairs. Now, what was the topic? DHS encountered obstacles to screen, vet, and inspect all evacuees during the recent Afghan crisis. Oops. So what exactly are we talking about now, boys and girls, right? Think about that. What does that mean exactly? Well, apparently, we're clueless as to who we let in. How does that make you feel? Does, does, does that do anything to warm your heart? Let me uh, bring this up. I'm going to read to you the synopsis. If you go to my uh, the page for my program today, you have the link to the report. I urge you to read it. It's a redacted report, but I, I will tell you, it's not good news. So <laughs> September 6, 2022, the date of the report. I wrote my article in June. What do I know? And by the way, I take no comfort in saying I told you so, not even a little bit of comfort. I don't know if you saw iRobot, but that scene with Will Smith, where he said, somehow I told you so, just doesn't quite say it. Well, here we are. September 6th, why we did this audit. This is the OIG. The United States welcomed more than 79,000 Afghan evacuees between July 2021 and January 2022 as a part of OAR slash OAW. Those are the two programs to admit them into the United States. The president directed the Secretary of Homeland Security to lead the coordination across the federal government to resettle vulnerable Afghans arriving as part of OAW. We conducted this audit to determine the extent to which DHS screened, vetted, and inspected evacuees arriving as part of OAR and OAW. And who is the secretary? Alejandro Mayorkas, the man who, when he headed up Citizenship and Immigration Services for Obama, was warned by the FBI and by um, Homeland Security Investigations that a particular company that had sent visa applications in had a very real uh, possible link to Iranian terrorist groups, and those applications needed to be denied. And guess what? He approved them all. He approved them all. And I, I want to understand how that works. I want to understand how that's a possibility. The FBI comes to you and says, you must deny these applications. It has a real solid potential link to terrorism. And he said, go to hell. Winds up as the head of Homeland Security. As the head of Homeland Security. So that's who's doing the vetting. The guy that was warned about potential terrorists coming in under a visa program, and he approved all the visas. And there was more to that story, too. And I wrote about it back on December, I think it was December 20th, 2020, 
when, when Biden said that he was going to appoint Mayorkas as the head of Homeland Security. So I wrote an article about how bad this guy was. And indeed, the Republicans complained bitterly at his confirmation hearings, but the Democrats said, nope, we're approving him. He's in. No problem. Nothing to see here, folks. Keep moving. Well, so now we come to this synopsis, the summary. It says what we found. Listen carefully, boys and girls. This is not a happy story, and you may not want to think about this during bedtime tonight, or you'll be up tonight, as I am too many nights staring at my ceiling. What we found, after meeting with more than 130 individuals from the Department of Homeland Security, we, this is the Office of Inspector General, we determined DHS encountered obstacles to screen, vet, and inspect all Afghan evacuees arriving as part of Operation Allies Refuge, OAR, Operation Allies Welcome, OAW. Specifically, U.S. Customs and Border Protection, CBP, did not always have critical data to properly screen, vet, or inspect the evacuees. We determined some information used to vet evacuees through the U.S. government databases, such as name, date of birth, identification number, and travel document data was inaccurate, incomplete, or missing. We also determined that CBP admitted or paroled evacuees who were not fully vetted into the United States. We attribute DHS's challenge to not having one a list of Afghan evacuees who were unable to provide sufficient identification documents. Two, the contingency plan to support similar emergency situations. And three, standardized policies. As a result, DHS may have admitted or paroled individuals into the United States who pose a risk to national security and the safety of local communities. The DHS response. Usually, when such reports are issued, the agency in question will say, yes, we messed up. Yes, we have to do better. Uh, we're going to do some remediation, uh, and we won't do it again. You know, we did it. Sorry, wrong. Okay, DHS response. Very short. The department did not concur with the recommendations. Ta-da. You're wrong. You're wrong. Imagine if your boss came to you and said, you're doing your job badly, and you say to your boss, go to hell. I'm happy with the job I'm doing. The reason for these investigations by Inspector General is to protect the integrity of the system, except Mr. Mayorkas doesn't have an ounce of integrity in his entire being. This is where we are tonight. This is where we are tonight. But wait, there's more. I feel like I'm doing an infomercial. There's more. Again, not good news. Washington Times reports September 27, 2022, a couple days ago. FBI money request signals ongoing problems in vetting Afghan evacuees. Can you see where this is going? I'm going to start out reading this to you. As I said to Jim Sensenbrenner when he was chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, I said, Mr. Chairman, if I am unable to sleep at night, then sure as hell I don't want you sleeping at night either. With those words, I got him to do a reversal of the George W. Bush guest worker amnesty program. I was very pleased. But Jim Sensenbrenner, who's retired from Congress, was a true leader. 
who understood the seriousness of his responsibilities and the nature of his oath of office about protecting and defending the Constitution and the nation, and as a consequence, our fellow Americans. What do we have today? Who's running the show today? If I sound worked up, ladies and gentlemen, I am. I am, and so should you. You need to have a flatline EEG not to be in a state of white-hot rage over what is happening. 19 hijackers on 9-11 killed more people than we lost to the Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. And every year, more people are dying of fentanyl overdoses or fentanyl poisoning more properly. I just caught myself making that mistake. Fentanyl poisoning than we've lost to the attacks of 9-11. And what is our government doing to protect us? Bupkis. Bupkis. Here's how the article starts out. Tucked inside Democrats' new spending bill is $15.3 million in emergency money for the FBI to investigate Afghan evacuees brought to the United States during last year's chaotic airlift. Congress is pumping the money into the FBI just a month after Director Christopher A. Ray told lawmakers that the Bureau was having to conduct lots of interviews, that's a quote, to keep track of Afghans and obliquely warned of a number of disruptions of activities, not establishing what he meant by that statement. The article goes on and says lawmakers said the money is the latest evidence of a hasty evacuation that jeopardizes American safety. Quote, the Biden administration's decision to let tens of thousands of unvetted Afghans into our country first and ask questions later has backfired, said Representative Thomas P. Tiffany, Wisconsin Republican. Quote, we warned well over a year ago that this would happen, and two Inspector General reports have since confirmed those fears but the White House refused to listen, and the horses are already out of the barn. Yes, they are. And we're being told that we need to hire more Border Patrol agents. Have you heard anyone stand up and say hire more ICE agents? Let that sink in. Ted Cruz standing there saying we're going to hire 87,000 Border Patrol agents. If he would have said immigration enforcement agents, I could have lived with that. But he was specific. Because it's Ted Cruz who has also said that once we secure the Mexican border, we need to find ways of legalizing the aliens, and we need to bring in the world's best and brightest so America can lead. I had a major fight with Ted Cruz over that statement. Because I approached him and said, well, I agree we need to secure not just the Mexican border, but all of our borders against illegal and unauthorized entry. Please don't tell me that we need to bring the world's best and brightest so America can lead, because I'm from Brooklyn and where I come from, We have a term for the world's best and brightest. We call them Americans. Now, let me be clear about something. We should be bringing in exceptional people from around the world, kind of like a baseball team trying to assemble a solid team by getting as many great players as they can. The Albert Einsteins and Elon Musks of the world should be welcomed with open arms. They should be recruiting people like that. But when you bring in an army of hundreds of thousands of foreign workers, please don't tell me they are exceptional. The only thing exceptional about hundreds of thousands of foreign workers is they are willing to work for exceptionally low wages under exceptionally adverse conditions. And one of the strongest advocates for my position on this was Jeff Sessions. So I I was kind of unhappy when Donald Trump... um, not only had him leave as attorney general, I thought he would have been the perfect person 
to be the Secretary for Homeland Security, but he kind of eviscerated Jeff. And I know Jeff. In fact, Jeff Sessions quoted me from the floor of the United States Senate back in, I believe it was 2006, when I wrote an op-ed for the Washington Times where I suggested that they rename comprehensive immigration reform, which was on the table at the time. I said, the idea that we're going to give millions of illegal aliens who snuck into the country lawful status without the capacity to interview them, let alone do a field investigation, uh, well, goodness, we should be giving this piece of legislative detritus a new and more honest and descriptive name. I suggested calling it the Terrorist Assistance and Facilitation Act. Sessions liked it so much, he actually quoted my article from the floor of the Senate on three separate days during the floor debate. And unlike all too many politicians, rather than plagiarize me, he attributed that statement to me and sent me a certificate commemorating his ability, as he put it, to uh, prevent the passage of dangerous legislation by being able to use my words. We need true leaders in Congress, and I don't care if they're with the Hopping Kangaroo Party. The issue isn't party affiliation, because neither party seems to give a rat's tail about the well-being of Americans. It's about individual candidates who understand the seriousness of the issue. That's who we should be supporting for elected office. So when we go to these town hall meetings, we need to be very specific about the way we question these would-be leaders. We should be doing everything possible to educate American children. American children. Let me repeat that. American children. Please don't tell me about the dreamers and all the others. American children. You want to get kids out of poverty? Education is the key. And not learning remedial basket weaving. We have a shortage of engineers, then let's educate American kids. And if they're living in poverty, I would provide them with a free education, as long as they maintain standards. The same way that many people enlist in the armed forces to become pilots. They get a million dollars worth of training, the best flying training in the world. And then after they do a hitch of seven, eight, nine years, whatever the deal is, they are free to either re-up and stay in the military and defend America or leave the military and take their skills and take their experience and go work for an airline or start their own company. There's nothing wrong with that. We're not, there's nothing wrong with investing a million dollars per pilot to create the world's best pilots, and we do create the world's best. Why not do the same? Get American kids out of poverty through education and not destroy their wages as Greenspan recommended by making American high-tech workers compete with foreign workers. The immigration laws were designed to shield Americans from foreign competition. And that's what they want to change. They are the globalists. We need to modernize the immigration laws is code for we need to bring in an army of high-tech workers to screw over Americans, and it's both parties. And there's another issue that I, I want to briefly mention while I have a little bit of time on the clock here. And I made this point earlier today. I'm a regular on a program on radio station WAEB out of Pennsylvania, Bobby Gunther Walsh. I, I love doing his show. I've been doing his show for many years now. And I asked him a question today, and it kind of lit him up. I said, why in the world do we call the radicals on the left liberals? What's that all about? I was raised as a liberal, and I'm proud to tell you I raised my own children to be liberal. And if you look up liberal, and he did, and he almost fell over, and I'm paraphrasing, but basically 
the classic definition of a liberal is a person who accepts the notion that there are many people who have different viewpoints and all viewpoints should be respected and considered. And it's about governance by taking everyone into account. Does that sound like the current crop of radical lunatics running the Democrat Party? They've hijacked the party. They maybe it was a liberal party at one time. That was why I signed up as a Democrat back in college. These aren't Democrats. These are fascists. These are totalitarians. Who but a fascist could come up with the cancel culture and try to turn American against American? Does that sound particularly liberal to you? But by calling them liberals, and my mom used to say self-praise is no recommendation, there are too many people who still think that the Democrats are liberal. And that's why they affiliate with them. You ask some old-timer who's a Democrat, and they'll say to you, oh, well, they're liberals. Sure. And we're agreeing that they're liberals. No, they're not liberals. They're fascists. They are the antithesis of liberal. Every American should aspire to be a liberal when you look at the classic definition. That's what the First Amendment is all about. I disagree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. That's liberalism at its best. Try that with the liberals of today. The Maxine Waters exhorting her followers, get in the face of the other party, scream at them and yell at them and tell them they're not welcome and tell them to get the hell out of there and do it in the restaurants and do it in the gas stations. Liberal? Are you crazy? Words matter, folks. Words have impact. Words have emotion. I was going to teach debate on the college level back when I was in college, and then I had the opportunity to become a federal agent. I was on my own, needed a solid job, and I jumped at the opportunity because I wanted a job that would give me the security of a civil service job. There's nothing wrong with that. A pension. My dad is a construction worker. had no idea how he was going to retire. Tragically, he died at age 57 because he worked in the shipyards during the Second World War, exposed to asbestos there and in the construction trades, and he smoked those damn Chesterfield blow torches. Um, but, you know, rough job. I saw what he went through. And I went to college. My parents were insistent, adamant about it. And, and, and so I was going to teach debate. And I had the opportunity to become an agent. I said, okay, here's where I'm going to go. And maybe I can make a difference because I wanted a job more than anything that had purpose. I didn't want to just push paper around my desk. I wanted to know that when I retired, when that day would come, that I could look back and say that it was a life well lived, that I had my adventures, and that I made a difference. That was my goal, very simple. I didn't want to make millions. I didn't need five mansions. I didn't need my own jets, although I did do a little single-engine flying as a kid because I loved aviation. But the point was that's what I wanted to do with my life. And debate is so critical because debate, folks, is intellectual capitalism at its best. You enter into a debate with a point of view, you oppose somebody else with a different point of view, and the consumers, if you will, the audience and the judges get to decide which side of the argument won the day. Intellectual capitalism, First Amendment. First Amendment at the foundation of democracy, at the foundation of democracy, government by the people. And yes, I know there are conservatives whose heads are exploding because we live in a republic, and yes, I know it's a republic, but there are different forms of democracies. Ours is a republican form of democracy. 
but the notion is that the people are in control of the government, not the other way around. That's as American as apple pie. My father taught me that I would teach people how they should treat me by demonstrating what I would be willing to accept. For far too long, Americans have been intimidated and conned by some of the most talented grifters in the universe, between the politicians and journalists who wouldn't know journalism if it jumped up and bit them on the nose or some other body parts. Uh, we've gone a long way from the principles of the founding fathers and how America came to be. We need to stand up to the politicians. We must speak truth to power. We must go into town hall meetings armed with the facts so that we're not conned. Smartphones are wonderful. Videotape these characters when you confront them. And any politician who continuously refuses to participate in town hall meetings need to be voted out of office for insubordination. If my boss said, Mike, we're having an all-hands meeting at 0800 tomorrow morning. I couldn't imagine telling my boss, gee whiz, I was planning to sleep in. No, there need to be town hall meetings and politicians need to be made accountable. And the most critical thing you can do when you question somebody up is the follow-up question. And if they don't accept follow-up questions, then you go with your friends and you have a prepared script. So you have the first question and then it's the follow-up that usually delivers a knockout punch. You need to work at that skill set. We need to vote for those people who vote in the best interest of Americans. The one question that every politician should be made to answer, no matter what level of governance we're talking about, is how their proposals, how their plans, how their visions are in the best interest of the average American. I've seen a group called America First. I don't like that. Now, you may wonder why. Well, I've said it before, I'll say it again. We should be saying Americans first. We the people. Not the country, the people. Because for too many corrupt politicians to give the redundancy, for them America is corporate America. That's not what the founding fathers had in mind. It's we the people. We the people. We should be pushing Americans first. That's my advice. You may disagree, and that's cool, because I celebrate the First Amendment. I hope you do, too. But we should be pushing for Americans first. Not America first, but Americans first. For America to do well, Americans must do well. I am so happy that you were able to join me this evening. Glad that we didn't uh, run into more difficulties as I did last week. Um, again, for those of you of the Jewish faith, happy, healthy, safe New Year. And, but I hope it's a great New Year for everybody. Please remember that democracy is not a spectator sport, folks. What I ask you to do is have those conversations with your neighbors. Talk to them. Share my articles. Perhaps share the podcast of my program. Let's have discussion, honest, respectful discussion. It's a tradition that Americans used to hold dear, and it's one we must hold dear once again. Thank you for listening. I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Have a safe weekend. Be well.